Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. And now, it's time for Inside Conan, an important Hollywood podcast. Hello, welcome back to Inside Conan, an important Hollywood podcast. I'm Mike Sweeney. I'm Jesse Gaskell. We are former Conan writers and current Conan fans. We can't get enough. <laughs> we can't get enough. We can't move on. We're we talking about on. Conan. We're contractually obligated mm-hmm. to not move on. You know, we'll post our contracts if you want proof. <laughs> it's all in writing. <laughs> We're walking you through Conan's illustrious television career, mm-hmm. not just Conan's, but the whole show and all the all the people involved. It's a whole organism. It really is a living. Well, it's a breathing. Well, it's an organism. <laughs> Multi-celled organism. Yes, many many parts. It's like the U.S. Constitution. It's always being yeah. changed and improved and. <laughs> Hey, what have you been up to? Oh my God. Since I saw you last. Don't ask me that. I literally, <laughs> I did a podcast with you mm-hmm. um, an hour ago okay. and other, an interview. And other than that, I might as well be like cryogenically frozen. Well, but you're going on a little trip, aren't you? I am. I'm going to uh, Santa Fe. Well, that's for a few good. Days. We can talk about your anticipation for the trip now. And then when next week, we'll talk about how it was. Well, Okay. <laughs> sure. I mean, you know, it's a trip. I mean, it'll be fun. I'm Santa excited. Santa Fe's great. It's supposed to be snowing. Oh. Um, oh, that's a lot colder than I was expecting. Yeah. So we're going a day early because um, we were going to take a train, Amtrak, mm-hmm. uh, and a sleeper car, which sounded like fun. Yeah, that I always, sounds romantic. Yeah. Even though it's like, you know, in an Amtrak beds. Yeah. car that was made in the early 70s. Um, I don't know how romantic that would be. Amtrak shockingly contacted us a few days ago and said they're canceling. Oh, because of the snow? No, just because they're Amtrak. Oh. (laughs) They're they're contractually obligated to cancel every fifth train ride. They're so reliably unreliable. Yes. Because they let you know in advance that it wasn't running. In writing. They emailed us. We know already now that we're just not going to be able to pull this off. Yeah. They're like, you know what? We realized why surprise you when we can let you know a week in advance, which yeah. we really appreciated. <laughs> it's nice. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's too bad. So are you, now you're driving, yeah. you said? No, we're going to fly. Oh, you're going to fly. Okay. Yeah. 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 You've probably been to New Mexico. I have. Yeah. yeah. Um. I mean, we used to go there when I was a kid yeah. for vacations to Taos. You had good parents. Yeah. They have great taste. You had some idyllic childhood. <laughs> We went to Maine. Mm-hmm. 
which is great if you're an 80 year old person, but like if you're a kid, it's like, there's no, what are we supposed it's to all right. Like you, like I'm going down to the beach. Okay. <laughs> you have to walk over 40 yards of sharp, pointy rocks. <laughs> yeah. And then my parents would fight and uh, my mother would make us drive home early. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> let's not talk about vacations, but anyway, you, what have you been up to? Um, you know, I'm still in the undisclosed location. Right. Still working. I do. I have a new... Cl- well, okay. So we've gotten a few... We've gotten contacted by a few listeners who... Because you've been giving hints. You're giving doing punch-up work on a movie. Yes. Which is incredibly exciting. Really fun job. You're prescribed to talk about it in detail. Yes. I'm. I'm not legally allowed to say, but if you guys were to guess, I think that right. I would be protected. I've been giving hints. And some people have gotten it, but I'm still not going to say it because there might be people listening who didn't get it yet. I submitted an answer. Did you? (laughs) I thought there was a money prize. And I was like, oh man, I'm going to nail this. But yeah. I think you're disqualified because you work for the station. I know. And I know where you are. But my clue for this week is... Yes. That in the hotel room every night they play... Four hours huh? of Friends reruns. <laughs> <laughs> Is that just in your room? That's just very specific. Room. Clue. No, yeah. I mean that, that's what that's what the cable package includes. Four hours. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Huh. That's an interesting hint. Uh huh. So really, that could probably be anywhere. I think it could be anywhere on the planet. But there might be certain places where Friends is not licensed, so it might rule right. some things out. Sure. I don't know if Estonia gets friends. <laughs> All right. That's a new clue. <laughs> that's the new clue. All right. And um, are you ever coming back from this place to? Yeah. <laughs> I am coming back. I'm actually coming back next week. Oh, that's great. Good. But then I'm leaving again. <laughs> you're going out again. I'm going somewhere else. So there will be a new game. Okay. New game. Yeah. So you're going, you'll be working on the same movie but yes, in a new but we're lo- changing locations okay yeah. great all right well this is exciting for me i mean when when i would do this with you over zoom knowing you were three miles away i mean <laughs> it was easy that to is guess. pretty exciting but this <laughs> this is i mean you're so I know. far well, away we have to work out time zone changes uh, yeah yeah mm-hmm. very exciting we've been eating different meals while oh. we i mean we, have, we will be, at least. Sure. <laughs> oh, you mean at your new location? At the new location, for sure. Okay. Wow. I can't I can't believe there's a whole new game coming. I know. You're never, you're never coming <laughs> I'm back. I'm Carmen Sandiego. She's been working on that movie for seven years now. <laughs> Left my dog. I worked on Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego. Oh, no, that's right. You did. I was getting married, and I, yeah, I was just, my sole income was stand-up, so... You know, worked it at kid, night. It was a kids show. It was a kids show, and I did um, audience warm up for different shows. Oh yeah! And I got offered that, and they're like, "It's all sixth graders," and I was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> I shouldn't do it." I can't imagine doing comedy for sixth graders. It was terrible. What can you do? It was terrible. Um, but I need. <laughs> I was like, I needed the money. Yeah. I couldn't say no to it, and it was. Um, Oh my, I don't even remember. It was, it's all like a dark, I think I got in trouble for making fun of one of the teachers because a lot of it, they were teachers oh, groups. Oh yeah, yeah. 
But and what else like, could well, I what do? What else do kids like to laugh I about? I got to go after the teachers. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I got called in the next day. That's a brilliant move. Thank you. Oh. Well, it was the only move. I had no options. <laughs> uh. Yeah, that's a long, those are long. I mean, I guess we haven't really talked before about the, there's always a warm up for even for late night shows too, to kind of yeah. just get the audience. Well, cause there's some downtime while they're waiting right. for the, everything to right. start. Well, I did it for Conan for five years. You did. From 95 to 2000. And then I did it at SNL for a season. Oh, wow. After that. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. You'd come in on the weekend too? Yeah. Oh. I was working till like, you know, 1 a.m. every night. And then I said, hey, I'm also going to work on Saturday. Oh, my God. Yeah. Were you married at that time? I was with two little kids. It was not good. And also I thought (laughs) when they offered me the job, I I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I'll just go in at 11 o'clock and do that. And they're like, oh no, there's a dress rehearsal. Oh, I forgot man. about, of course there's a dress rehearsal. Yes. So I had to be there at like 6 PM. <sighs> and uh, So a full day of work Yeah. on Saturday night. And man, those Saturday night live crowds for the 1130 show, a lot of it, it would be like a cocktail party. Cause a lot of it is celebs and friends of the show. Mm-hmm. And they're all, they're all talking to each other. No one's listening to me. Oh, yeah. No one's even in their seat. Cause they yeah. all, they're all like, they they're not used all, to being told to do things. Right. And exactly. And they're totally savvy. They're like, we'll, we'll sit down yeah, when it's yeah, 1130. I know, I know. I know when they're recording, when the right. red light goes on. We don't need to listen to this guy or Don Pardo because I'd introduced Don Pardo and that was the best part working with Don Pardo, a living legend. Yeah, that's, I mean, I see why you took that gig. That no, would be fun. It was, it was but it a is, bad move. It's just too much. It's too much time it too to much, spend too in much, 30 too Rock. Much. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Doing it for Conan was fun. I'd come out for 10 minutes and just rag on the crowd and then introduce a band in Conan. Yeah. Did you do anything? I mean, did you give out candy? Did you later no, in later years, know. they started doing like a dance competition? No, none of that stuff. None of that. I, I can't emphasize enough how <laughs> far from that kind of warm up I was. <laughs> I will say that's more of a sitcom warm up yes, thing yeah. out here in LA. Mm-hmm. And those guys real like doing the warm up for Conan, that was like 10 minutes. That was nothing. Right. Sitcom warm up, as you know. Yeah. The audience is the same audience is there for like three hours. Yes. They're there for, I mean, a whole day almost. And they have to re like they're changing camera angles Yeah, or a lot of times someone screws up their line and they have to do it again. And then the warmup guy has jokes. Yeah. Yes. So they have to get you in the mindset to like, Oh, act like you haven't heard this seen this scene three times already. It's yeah. Awful. So that's why the laughter, even when it's live, it, it sounds canned sometimes because right. it is. I mean, you know, you're not going to laugh the same way um, no. the third time you're seeing a joke. I mean, I'd have candy. I'd have tea. I. How do you? How else do you get through three yeah, hours? Pizza. I don't. I don't know. Oh my god! If you're throwing. You got a t-shirt cannon. <laughs> yeah, that that's just. You got to juice people up. Wet t-shirt contest. They should have like ten different warm-ups. So yeah, each person could come out and do a whole lineup their thing and not have to get into that babysitting stuff but that's true but then they'd have to pay 10 comics oh right (laughs) well hey speaking of comedy yeah (laughs) (laughs) which we are we always are 
this week we're speaking with a legendary comic, Stephen Wright. Yes. I was amazed that he said yes to talking to us. I had never met him, so I was I was yeah, kind of like me too. I was like, oh my gosh, Stephen Wright. Yeah, I was a little starstruck. Yeah, you know, I went online and read, I looked up some of his famous lines, you know, yes. just because he's a master one liners. And it reads, I don't know if Shakespeare has that many quotes. <laughs> he's got oh, wow. so many. No, he's got so many Confucius. Great. Or it's yeah, like, wait, you were telling me the airplane. I never knew. They should make the whole airplane out of the black box. Right. That became like a cliche about comet, like comedians going, oh, why don't they make the whole airplane out of the, the black box material, you know? and But that's such a brilliant line. Right. And it's Stephen Wright's line. I never knew that. Wow. So. Yeah, me neither. That It is like finding out, yeah, that he he invented bread or something. Right. <laughs> He's the man behind oxygen and putting it in your lungs. No, from a, yeah. Com- uh, uh, yeah, I guess I never thought about the origin that, that someone had to come up with that. And it was Stephen Wright. Yeah. And I was, ve- I was also really pleased to find out he's a, he's a sweet guy and was very, you know, thoughtful and had some great memories of his time being on late night, yes. which he was on many, many times. Yeah. He'd be working on coming up with bits on the spot too, which is kind of fun. Oh, that was really fun. I yeah, know it was yeah, yeah. it was fun to see his brain working yeah. and, and know that he was <laughs> making material out of nothing. I mean, I don't think we even need to play the interview. We can just reminisce yeah, we'll just t- more about it. it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, here's Stephen Wright. Hey, thanks for joining us, Stephen. Yeah, thank you, Stephen. Uh, we're excited to talk to you about your many late night appearances, in particular, how you prepared your material. We pride ourselves on being a material-free podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's in the promo? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Another <laughs> material-free yeah. hour. It's so great to do anything without doing the material, like even as a guest on a talk show. Because the material is so, at least for me, it's so sculptured right. and, and like in, intense and like yeah. and in front of the audience, you know. And then to be in front of the audience without that, with a, in a different way, is a whole other thing. I'm not complaining about the stand-up version, but it's the, the other way is just so different and more relaxing. Sure. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because that is one thing we wanted to ask you about since you are one of the rare people who have done both versions on late night where, you know, you come out with your sculpted set, like you said, or you come and do a couch segment. But the couch segments are also somewhat sculpted, too. I mean, how much did you have to prepare for those in advance? Well, you know how they say, what do you want to talk about? You know, and then they you tell them you have different stories about this or that. And then the host obvious then he leads you into that that was all except for the last time i was on cone and it wasn't it was completely just improv but the the uh, the other way even when you have prepared stories even when you're doing that it's just you have to remember that you're a funny person even when you're not doing the stand-up you have to like okay i'm amusing <laughs> even without that <laughs> you're so used you're so used to being focused on that on the stage right that you have to go oh oh you have to it's almost weird to what do you mean you want me to talk to this guy what, I, <laughs> why would that even be interesting <laughs> without the and then you go then you cross oh yeah 
okay, oh yeah, that. But and then you do it, even though it's prepared questions and everything. It's a different way of being funny. Yeah, Stephen, you were on Conan so many times, but I was wondering whether would people would they contact you? You know, we'd love to have you come on the show. And at that point, was that when you started coming up with sort of a bit to do on the couch, or would you come up with something and then say, okay, you know, I've got something I can come on now? No, when I when I would have another five minutes or whatever amount of time for material, then we would contact them and see if there was a time I could go on. And then that would be booked mm-hmm. if there was. And then when it got close to going on, like your mind starts going like three or four days in ahead of time, your subconscious starts thinking, okay, well, what, what am I going to talk to him, him about? Like, then you start thinking, oh yeah, oh, oh yeah. And then you, I would make notes of like, that's how it would work, at least for me. I was wondering specifically about that time you came on and just did one word answers in the 90s on late night. You know, how much of that was you planning that out in advance and how much was kind of being improvised there? Yeah, no, that was planned. Like we talked about that before. I remember it didn't work. (laughs) 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 Amazing what your mind will remember and not remember you know, but that one word, he, he said something. Wasn't he doing one word, too? Or was it just me? Uh, he was asking questions and you had one word answers. Yeah. Whatever it was that didn't work. And then we just then we went to normal answers. <laughs> I mean, not not no, not normal answers, normal speaking. Let's do it now in the podcast. Give it another <laughs> chance. <laughs> well, I want to tell you, it, it works as a internet clip now it looks like it's killing so you know maybe it didn't feel that way (laughs) for the live audience but it's very funny we added laughs to it (laughs) (laughs) and now you're it's wall-to-wall kill zone oh my god well it made me laugh i was i was adding my own soundtrack you're saying you you thought it didn't do well when you're on a tv show and you're feeling like oh it's not doing well do you just kind of shrug inside like does it make you nervous while it's happening or you're just like well this is what i'm doing and i think it's funny and and screw the audience if they're not laughing at it oh i care very very much i mean going on tv is a bizarre thing intense thing because everything's i mean you have 10 minutes of your life all the time right 10 minutes 10 minutes 10 minutes and then here's here's 10 minutes that's going to be blasted (laughs) on the television and even though 10 minutes is still 10 minutes it's like you're going into this at least for me it was like this weird like intense and the allergy was like being in a car accident. Mm. It would be like the next thing you know, it's over. And then you think back, well, what, what was that? How did how did that? It's very heightened. Right. Yeah. Really intense. Moment to moment. If you're doing the stand-up and the jo- a joke doesn't work, well, you know it's going to work because you've tested it so many times. It might right. not go as good as you want, but you you just get, but then when you're talking with the stories and that doesn't something in there doesn't work the host always would save it that so you i say something and i think is interesting and there's no response and then the host <laughs> comes back with 
something he's saying about that. Right. And that, so there's never really long gaps. I mean, Conan is hilarious. He is, he's fast. His mind is so fast. It's like a net. It's like an automatic net. You can't fall off the tightrope all the way to the ground because he, he was, he's a net. Right. So you, you're saying something and if it works, oh good, it worked. But if it doesn't, he saves it. Yeah. That, that had to be a big change from like you're saying, doing sculpted jokes, especially the thing that really impresses me about you and and other comics who do, I use the term loosely, one-liners, but I, but I think you know what I mean. It, it just kind of tightly written jokes. It takes a, a long time to accumulate five minutes. Like, right. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's more jokes per minute than yeah. if you're telling a long story. Yeah. It's unbelievable how much material a five-minute appearance on TV gobbles gobbles up. It would come out for me would be about 23-ish jokes right. in the five minutes. Wow. That's what it always around would come in there. But, you know, for only for every joke I write... If I, if I think something's funny, I write it down because I think it's funny. Right. So it's past my test. Right, right. The fact I wrote it down is I like it. But then you go, you know, it's not up to you. The audience, they're the editors. And I, it would be a, a one in four, a one in three joke right. that I would write that they also would laugh at. So if you have tw- all those jokes, you've written double the amount to get to that amount. Yeah. You know, because most of them fail. Right. Like a baseball player, if he's batting 300, that's really good. Yeah. But that right. means he got, he was out seven out of 10 times. He was out. And if they don't laugh at it, <laughs> the audience, when I test them, if they don't laugh at it, I don't think, oh, well, that wasn't funny. I still think it's funny. I think they didn't agree with me. Yeah. I'll try it three times, but then I won't do it anymore. But because they're in charge, the audience is, uh, they are the editors. Right. But I never think, oh, I was wrong. That wasn't funny. I like that. You'd give it a like kind of a three try rule. Yeah. Cause you can't depend on one audience. Yeah. You can't they go might, on one yeah. audience. No, you can't. You know how they are. They have their own personality. It might be a, it, <laughs> yeah. it, it might be a fluke that it works. Yeah. One time, this only happened on Conan when I was talking to him. I was telling my stories that I thought were funny. You know, I would say it in my head or out loud before I went on there. And I remember screwing up so much when talking to him. Like I was couldn't remember. And I was these giant gaps that were like not funny gaps, like awkward gaps. And then I remember when I saw the show <laughs> that night, they had cut it. They had edited. It was the only time the panel was edited. Oh. They edited all that shit out. And I'm look, watching going, oh, my God, that's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> they saved it. Well, you know, they there's a lot of people it. that need to get edited every time. <laughs> oh, really? Because I never, all the things I ever did, that never happened before or even after that one time. And I just that's, thought it was fantastic. What, that's terrifying. I find the red, that red tally light that when the camera's on you, that when that comes on, to me, that's kind of terrifying. I mean, it's what you're talking about, the 10 minutes of being a filmed car accident. You probably worked with Frank Smiley, the segment producer. Oh, yeah, yeah, hilarious. Yeah, yeah. hilarious. Frank's great. Yeah, Yeah, you know, because of all the different camera shots, they could just pull it out 
seamlessly and you don't even know it ever happened. Yeah, it was seamless. You wouldn't you wouldn't know. And then we had everyone in the audience murdered. <laughs> so there are no witnesses to your crime. <laughs> yeah, the, the the cameras are at the Walmart to the parking lot, you know, and they you see them you, the guys putting someone into a car and kidnapping them. Criminals should have editors with them yeah. so they can edit the tapes. Oh yeah. And yeah, defendants, or they're allowed to shoot new additional footage and edit it in. <laughs> they're like helping a woman across the mm-hmm. street or something. <laughs> They've got a green screen with them at all times. Yeah. But the, this, this is not a real opinion. This is just a f- observation that when they edited that thing on Conan, it's almost like they s- screwed with your memory because you have a memory of what really happened. Right. And then you're watching it and it's not lining up. I mean, I know they edited it, yeah. but if you looked at it another way, it's like, oh my God, what's wrong with my mind? That's not how I thought it went. <laughs> well, but I would think, I mean, you probably do remember it worse than it was. You know, when you're up there and there's silence, Oh yeah. the seconds last so much longer than real seconds. Oh yeah. I mean, and it's weird how you wired psychologically that when it's over, you all, you mainly remember what didn't work. Yeah. You mainly, you're not, oh, that went great. That went great. It's like, no, oh my God, those three things. And then when you watch it back, <laughs> right? because now you're not standing there anymore. So it's not as intense because your mind's going a billion miles an hour. But Conan, I don't know how he, I don't know. I would like to ask him questions because i don't know (laughs) he must have gotten to a point where it was normal even though he knew he was on television he must have been like it was casual because from doing it every night i mean he right you could never tell what you can't tell what's going on in anyone's mind but i mean in my mind it'll be oh my god yeah but now i have no facial expression I, I wonder if if he had that. He's so fast. I think he says he s- would sort of go the other way and kind of black out during it so that later he wouldn't remember anything. <laughs> and then he just doesn't remember anything about the shows. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously? Yes. He's done so many shows. Like He'd be like, people will show me this clip and I'll, I'll have no memory of that person being on the show yeah. or what we talked oh. about. Oh, Just because of the sheer... It's like 4,000 hours. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is it really 4,000? Yeah. But yeah, how could he remember all those moments? Right, 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 right. The crazy thing with Conan is, to me, he had to learn how to do that on the air. Do you know what I mean? Like there was no... No training period. Yeah, like he didn't have a lot of TV uh, experience. I I think a lot of times talk show hosts kind of learn how to work on camera somewhere. You know, like even like David Letterman was a weatherman for a short period of time. And then, you know, he had kind of lower radar TV experience. And I think all that stuff... But he did stand up too, Letterman. Well, yes, of course. Yeah. So you're in front of an audience, front of an audience, of front of an audience, front of an audience. And and from what I know, yes. Conan didn't have that. Didn't he go from a writer to the 
right. yeah. sitting there. I mean, that's that's mind boggling. It is mind boggling. That's like it's almost like an experiment. That's like let's do this to this guy and just watch him <laughs> explode. <Yeah. laughs> but, he, but he pulled it off. He he pulled it off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. CIA mind control experiment. Yeah, Lord Michaels might be the greatest sadist of all time. He's like, oh. You know what? Let's destroy him. <laughs> but we're going to do it over a few months, period. But at one point, he will explode. <laughs> Just that stand-up experience, of course. Yeah, and I, I think for Conan, that was always a little like... Yeah, I mean, he was used to entertaining people like in writers' rooms and stuff, but he didn't have... He had a large family. <laughs> he had a large family. But he didn't have the, the same experience of being in front of an audience of strangers every night, yeah. which is... Yes, it's fascinating how, he, how he, he, he did it, how he did it so excellently. It's almost like if you wrote this concept down, it would be like, no, that, that can't, that would not work. Right. This guy... Nobody could do that. You know, it's almost like he was a baseball, another baseball analogy. He was just in his, you know, throwing the ball against his garage door and coming back. And then a car pulls up and then he's in the World Series. You know, he's, I want you to play, you're playing center field for the Mets uh, tomorrow night. It's the sixth game of the World Series. And he does good. And he does really good. For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, Stephen, how I was wondering, because your first TV appearance was on Johnny Carson and you really killed and he liked you so much that he had you, you know, come sit on the couch and then had you on again the following week. How was that for you to have such a positive first experience? It seems like in some ways it would be a nightmare to have to then follow up after that. <laughs> oh, my God. I never thought of that. 
Thank God you didn't yeah, think of it till now. You're not in my head. I wasn't yeah. talking to you then. Jeez. <laughs> to four, four-year-old Jesse. <laughs> How are you going to top that one? <laughs> oh, my God. It was just like a fairy tale. I mean, it went. That was a really fast car accident. Yeah. I mean, that was just <laughs> introduced and then it's over and it's what, what happened? Yeah. That was like a fairy tale. And then when they wanted me to go on the next week, I mean, Jim McCauley called and he said, he was talking about the Tonight Show. And I thought he was reviewing the one we from that was just happened. And he said, no, no, I mean to go on tomorrow. I want to go on tomorrow again. Oh my God. And I said, what do you mean? Go With on all tomorrow. new material? Yeah, with another set. <laughs> and I said to him, he said, it would be amazing. People don't go on twice, you know, one week and then the next week. And I said, yeah, but I have like 18 minutes. I have 20 minutes of material. It took me three years to write. If I do that, yeah. <laughs> half or a little bit more, half or a little bit more than half of my material <laughs> is gone. I'll never forget. He said, yeah, but... It would be amazing for you to do this. Plus, this little sentence, you're going to have to write new stuff anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but that helped me a lot, that sentence, because not only just then, it was like you had to, but it made it even clearer that you had to. So I did it because it was just so freaky. Right. Yeah. Listen, listening to him, and it would be amazing to do it. And then whenever I would go on... Whenever the show was over, I had no more. I'd have five minutes to do it, and then I was out of it again. Right. No more material. Wow. And then I was worried, like, what if I don't think of it? Oh, my God. What yeah. if I don't think of it? <laughs> right. And then, I, then after years of that, I realized it was like rain. Like, the material was like rain. Like, it won't, it doesn't rain for two weeks, and then it sprinkles, and then it doesn't, or then it pours for four days, and then it doesn't <laughs> rain. So I knew it was going to rain. I, after years, I knew. That it was okay. going to come, so I didn't. I didn't freak out as much. So that second appearance, did you feel more comfortable having done it? Where you're like, oh, once you're out there, did you kind of go, okay, I just did this a week ago. No. I think I got it down, or was it just as scary? It was probably three percent less intense. <laughs> wow, wow. I mean, it's only a week, right? It's still insane. I don't know how, like Conan, like I don't know how he would do the monologue, like a new monologue, and smoothly do the monologue, like in NBC, like the commotion, the commotion in the hallway, the commotion all the way up to the doors where the studio was, and all the people and everything. I mean, I have to be. I don't know how he could do it. I know he wasn't standing out in the hallway, but he knew that commotion. That how could, how could he focus? How could he focus on the show? He's on an aircraft carrier in a, in a windstorm, and he comes out and he's playing the banjo to like entertain the other sailors. Like it's like it's like it's normal. It's wild how intense that is. Yeah. Did you have anything you would do to try to kind of? calm yourself before appearances? I mean, how, what was your routine usually? I need time alone, even the day before. Yeah. Which again, getting back to him, like how could he do that <laughs> night after night doing the monologue with new jokes, new joke, new guests. Right. If they had me do a talk show, I could do probably one every six months. <laughs> <laughs> 
that's you're ready for streaming. Yes. That's perfect. <laughs> Just to talk to one guest. Let's put the monologue aside. Just to you're going to talk to this guy. I'm going to say this. Then I'm going to say this. And then, just that one thing would take weeks for me to get in my head. <laughs> so then, so then he does the monologue, and then he does three of those people, and then he's doing other weird stuff. Yeah. You know, with Andy and stuff. <laughs> Andy's hilarious too. I mean, he what a nice guy. Just he is very. He, yeah, he's very calming. He he's very he very calming guy. Yes, yeah. Their their personalities mesh perfectly together because Andy truly doesn't seem to give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't like. He doesn't. He's like meh. Mm -hmm. So that that attitude, whereas Conan is like you're saying, is so intense. He's 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 yeah. He's bouncing around. He's living moment to moment. Yeah, and also reading like how it's going moment to moment. So that's exhausting. And Andy's just kind of like, eh, nah, whatever. Yeah, he just so relaxed. Like, yeah. How do you how do you physiologically you get you born you get know. this brain then you have the experience all these experiences and then you conclude that all right even though three million eight million people are watching this I don't care I mean how how that's <laughs> amazing yeah. how he became like that I agree I always felt and like Andy's body should be donated to science and they should study his brain yeah maybe his heart just beats at a slower rate it's yeah I. I was always amazed at comics who didn't seem, I always thought they were lying or bluffing. They were they're like, mm -hmm. yeah, it's no big deal. It's like, what? You should be terrified all the time. There are true sociopaths in the world. Right, exactly. That's the only explanation. <laughs> Can I say one thing? I, this is going back. It's just such a different era when you were discovered by The Tonight Show in Boston. Did they, I, I mean, just today with the internet and you can learn about, you can watch people online, they make little videos. But back then, did The Tonight Show, did they come to Boston to see like a showcase of several comics or were they, did they already know about you? Do you know whether they were coming to see you? This is another fairy tale. Uh, there was two comedy clubs in Boston, the Comedy Connection, and then there was one in right. Cambridge. The Ding Ho Comedy Club was a Chinese restaurant. Right. Comedy club. So the front part was originally for uh, folk singers and stuff. There was a stage there and everything. Uh -huh. and so then, then it was changed to comedy, but the back was a Chinese restaurant. So some, a freelance writer wrote a story about that place. This woman wrote the story, and I don't know why, but for some reason, that went into the L.A. Times, that story. So then Peter LaSalle, the huh. co-producer of The Tonight Show, he reads that article. And then like eight months later, his kids were about to graduate high school. So they had a summer trip to go look at colleges in Boston and New York. And so they were going to Boston. He remembered this article. Oh, that club. I should go into that club. So he called the club up. He said, it's tonight show, I'm going to, or he had someone call up and, you know, like, I'm going to go in there on this night. And the club was like, oh, my God. So rather than having like three comedians, they put like seven right. doing a few minutes. And, and I was, I was one. And then, and he saw me and then like the next week they called me up. And then two weeks later I was on, or three weeks later I was on the show. And wow. I've been so lucky in my life, like so many flukes have fallen like what the woman writes the article why is it in the la times <laughs> P 
Peter sees it. Right. His kids are going to get out of high school. He's going to go to Boston. It's like a fairy tale, like someone pulling strings. You know, so lucky. Just so lucky. <laughs> Obviously, with your act, you would have been seen yeah, it by them. Yeah, would happened eventually. One I way think. or the other. Yeah. Well, when you tell it that way, what if he never had kids? I mean, <laughs> yes, yes. You'd still be at the Chinese restaurant. <laughs> yeah. But no, it, it's luck. Luck always does have. Yeah. You know, obviously a role, but it but it's also kind of like you're doing the work every day, and then yeah. But it is part of a the unknown, the out of your control, the luck thing is part. It's like a soup. That's part of the mixture. Right. I never take it for granted. I just I it's I know right how many things happened. It's just unbelievable. You and Conan are both from Boston. I mean, Boston has a ton of comedians, obviously. Yeah. Uh, what? Why do? You, why is that? The weather. <laughs> I mean, the ratio is insanely high of all the people. Yeah. Oh, I just realized something right now. <laughs> it might. It has to be something to do with the city. I mean, I know that's not a clear answer. But I mean, why is the, yeah. the, the, the people who move there, the college students, the people who are drawn to that one place, the Catholicism, you know, all this, this weird accidental screening process of if you're going to go there, you're going to have to be a little bit insane. <laughs> I, I don't know, really. Yeah. Do you have an idea? I think all the colleges there. I, yeah, a lot of smarties. And But also just in terms of this kind of ready-made, fertile audience this ground oh yeah mm -hmm. for for some sort of entertainment uh, that wouldn't oh, expl yeah, explain yeah. why there are but may i don't know my my experience when i did stand up because i did it in new york oh, and yeah. comics from new york would go to boston it, it was a very different mindset up there like none of the comics talked to the audience new york comics would literally like I think there's a guy who ran Catch Rising Star in Cambridge. He would yell. He wouldn't let comedians talk to the audience at all, <laughs> which was a staple in New York because I, I think the audiences must have been better in Boston because in New York, you had to talk to them because they were such, they were always talking to <laughs> that you. That was how you, to win them over? Yes. How long did you do it in New York? Uh, I did it from like 87 to 94. Oh, when wow. I started working at Conan. Wow. Yeah. So you know, uh, you know, oh, I didn't know that. So you know what I'm uh, talking about on everything I just said. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, as far as as far as standing <laughs> there. Yeah. Oh, of the all the pain. Yes. <laughs> I specialized in the pain. Also, you must know Brian Kylie, right? Who oh, was a yeah. mon monologue writer yeah. on our show. One of the nicest people ever, as you know, and a brilliant writer, amazing yeah. jokes, amazing. Almost like, I don't know if this is true, but it's almost like Andy in the way, at least when he appears to be on stage, he doesn't seem like he's in a fighter jet that just got hit. I mean, he's just standing there like <laughs> casual. What a great mind. He's a great joke writer. As a matter of fact, when Conan ended in June, he got snapped up right away by the Ellen show. So Yeah, he was out of work for about three days. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good. Good for him. That's great. Yeah. Such a nice person, genuinely nice person. Yeah, he's a I great know. guy. Upsettingly nice. <laughs> Upsettingly nice. Yeah, we assume it's an act. <laughs> oh, actually, we had a few fans write in questions for you. C yeah. Could we throw some questions at you? Great. You have a lot of fans. 
how were your parents in your career? Supportive? Thought of comedy as not a real career? Funny? Is that one question? That's yeah. many questions from <laughs> someone named Peppy Deutsch. Seriously? Yeah. Yeah. My parents were normally funny. Not Neither one of them was uh, like an extra funny person. Not TV funny? <laughs> Normal funny, you know, not more. And they never said anything, really. My father, I was doing it about two years in Boston, and he only said to me once, about, he said, don't you, what about, maybe you should get like a job, like, I mean, he meant a real job, you know. And I said, oh, I mean, I had no intention of stopping that. But he only said that once, and my mother never said it, ever. And they used, then they would go to the clubs in Boston quite often. And my father loved Lenny Clark. Do you know Lenny Clark? Yeah, yeah, sure. He, he loved him. Uh, he would ask me where I was playing and where Lenny was playing, and then he would go <laughs> to see Lenny, which was, <laughs> which was fine, because I knew his mind zoned yeah. in. You're like, he's a fan. Not my fan, but. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was like too weird, too, especially my mother. I don't think, I mean, she would watch me because I was her son. But if I, if I wasn't her son and she was flicking through the TV and saw me, she would flick right past because <laughs> she, she had no. That's too weird, too f weird, too another planet. But another thing about them is they, I don't, they didn't, there was an innocence to them. I don't think they realized how lucky I was that all it happened like that. I thought that, I think right. they thought, you know, you go to the clubs for a few years and then this happens. Right. You know, I don't think they ever really processed that. They needed to be parents of other comics for a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then they'd be like, oh, my God, get Steven back here. <laughs> okay. And here's another question. Yeah. Oh, who makes you laugh the hardest? I know that's probably changes all the time, but and maybe that's not a fair question. But who asked that? Somebody. 73 Carbon, of course. <laughs> Oh, who makes me laugh? You know, a lot of the Boston guys. Yeah. Steve Sweeney, Don Gavin, Kenny Rogerson. I only saw him once and I thought it was hilarious. He is brilliant, hilarious, and extremely prolific. He's like one of the best comedians I've ever seen in my whole life. You know, there's yeah. comedians, you can watch them and think, oh, that's funny. Oh, you probably know this being a comedian and being doing the Conan show and everything. You can watch something and think, that's fantastic. That's hilarious. But you're not laughing out loud. Yeah. That's just how it is, you know? But then there's other comedians right. where you, they, you see them and you're laughing out loud. And that's a much lower... Uh, amount of people it's not yeah. putting the other comedians down at all yeah. it's just weird how yeah there's certain people that just surprise you where writing comedy and consuming a lot of comedy it's hard to feel surprised enough to laugh out loud yeah oh taxidermy my puppet show <laughs> what i don't the the question is did you like doing stand-up on snl oh yeah that was you know we, that was because it was live it was a few notches even higher of this is insane this is insane because you knew he was going right into the houses right through the camera it's like you know i'm basically an introverted person and it's like the fact that i even do this is wrong really. <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's just like what but I loved it so much, I wanted to do it. But I remember I tried a new joke. 
you know, this guy Conan does this every single night. I tried a new joke on Saturday Night Live just to, I slid it in just to see, okay, oh my God, I'm going to do this. Silence, total silence. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> but that's all right. I love that you slipped a joke in on SNL. That's yeah. That's pretty ballsy. That's impressive. Yeah. Well, we have to wrap up. Thank you, Stephen. I just want to say that it was very welcoming. Right. And I, I really loved going on that show. I was happy to be able to go on there. That's great to hear. Yeah. I, I Other comics have said that, too, that it's there was a, a lack of intensity or pressure mm-hmm. doing the show. Maybe because it was on so late and, you know... It, it didn't seem like as serious to, to do an appearance on it. Might have helped. Maybe, but it also, like like a manager of a baseball team or some, a director on a set, like the their, their personality, their vibe trickles down, you know, to the whole thing. Yeah, definitely. Yes. So that was Andy's vibe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. It does it does trickle down. And I think like Conan and, and Jeff Ross, the producer, are just, they, they're kind of pretty laid back. Yeah. And everyone who worked there, it's a pretty, it was a pretty happy crew. So yeah, the green room did have a nice, happy vibe. Jeff was always so nice. Tell him I said hello if you talk to him. He was always nice to me. Really nice guy, Jeff. We can do that. Yeah. Nice to me. Very flexible. Like, okay, uh, he can come on here. Okay. Very nice guy. I always like talking to him, really. I felt like I knew him longer than the amount of time I actually interacted with him. And the band, I love the band. I would end up in their <laughs> dressing room for some reason. Like, they're walking by, and they they were always fun, too. They were great guys. Yeah, they were guys. Yeah. You're sounding like less of an introvert by the minute. <laughs> Yeah, after being alive this long, it's like, (laughs) now I start to talk to some people. (laughs) Finally starting to like people. You know, I I think you could host a talk show four times a year. (laughs) Thank you. Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Will you work on it? Will you you two work on it with me? Absolutely. Definitely. (laughs) I'll lay out all the snacks in the green. I'll need to get four other jobs, but. Well, that's true. Well, Stephen, thank you so much for your time. It's really great to talk to you. I mean, I'm such a fan of your comedy and you've got a lot of fans out there. They're going to be excited to hear this. Oh, thank you. Thanks for coming on. And also a big fan and and really excited to talk to you today. So it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Great talking to you guys. Thanks for the compliments and, and thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And that was Stephen Wright. Thank you, Stephen. Yeah, thank you so much. Oh, and thank you, Stephen, for uh, doing our listener questions with us. Yes, he did double duty and he answered some listener questions. Extra pay coming your way. But you all can still submit listener questions. We'll do a new one next week. Yep. And you can email us at insideconanpod at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 323-209-5303. And we are very excited already about seeing you again next week. And we have to do our little telemarketer plug here. If you like the show, please support us by rating Inside Conan, an important Hollywood podcast on iTunes and leaving us a review. Thank you. We love our reviews and they're always so nice. Thank you so much. We love our reviews and... We love you. Oh, I said love. 
Love. Are we graduating to love? Well, you can't say we love reviews, but like you, that sounds... <laughs> That's true. So you but instinctively... But now I feel like I have to always say love because you can't go backwards from love to like. Uh, we might be ready to take that step. Yeah. And then we'll figure out what the next step is after... Yeah. <laughs> I guess a lifetime commitment. And then divorce. We love you. Inside Conan, an important Hollywood podcast, is hosted by Mike Sweeney and me, Jesse Gaskell. Produced by Sean Doherty. Our production coordinator is Lisa Byrne. Executive produced by Joanna Solotaroff, Adam Sachs, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco. Engineered and mixed by Will Beckton. Our talent bookers are Gina Batista and Paula Davis. Thanks to Jimmy Vivino for our theme music and interstitials. You can rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. And of course, please subscribe and tell a friend to listen to Inside Conan on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or whatever platform you like best. It's the Conan Show. Put on your hat. It's the Conan Show. Try on some spats. You're gonna have a laugh. Give birth to a calf. It's Conan. This has been a Team Coco production. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.